thank you very much. Um, so, well, yeah, we're going to talk about shame. 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 No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> Um, so yeah, it's my absolute privilege to be able to speak on everyone's favorite topic following a folky um, 7 p.m. service of jigs and reels um, to chat about sin. <laughs> so strap yourselves in. No, I'm joking. It's going to be a great time because actually this message is a very hopeful message. There is hope riddled throughout the whole of this message. And if you are new to church or if you're watching for the first time, um, you might not know that we're in the middle of a series um, going through the Lord's Prayer. Um, and the Lord's Prayer, as well as teaching us how to pray, also shows us some of the priorities um, that Jesus is uh, saying are important for us to follow in, uh, in doing a life of, of following Jesus. And as I've mentioned, the one that we're on today is forgive us our sins. But I wonder, is sin still a word that we use in society today? Is it something um, that society views as happy? Is it uh, viewed as relevant? Um, is it, maybe it's lost its meaning? Um, maybe it's just a dead religious word that we use um, that has no importance today. But still, Christianity um, is viewed uh, by people that aren't part of the church, maybe even people that are part of the church, as being very judgmental. And particularly when we start chatting about sin, um, we can easily seem like judgmental people. Um, I just want to recommend to you a talk that Dave did on a actually I think it was our last series that we did, um, about um, Christianity, is it hypocritical? Um, I'd really recommend looking at that because he did a brilliant job of um, looking through um, and almost apologizing, really, um, for people that follow Jesus um, for um, the judgmental kind of um, atmosphere that sometimes can be apparent in churches. Because I see a lot of people that come into church that it's for their very first time. They wouldn't have had a church background at all. Um, they don't know anything about um, church. But a common thing that people say to me is, Oh, Matt, do you know what? I'm surprised I didn't burn when I turned up in this building. If you knew what I'd been up to and turning up in this holy place of a church, you know, you wouldn't be mates with me. You wouldn't want to hang out with me. If only you knew what had happened. I'm surprised I haven't burnt up in here. Other people chat to me and they say, um, Oh, well, you know, some of the, the terms we use in, in faith, they're irrelevant and archaic. And actually, we're just formed by our society. We're formed um, by uh, the behaviors of people around us. And we're shaped by our environment. Often, the perception is that Christians just talk about sin and people being bad and us being great. And other people need to stop being bad and be more good like goody us Christians. The reality is the Bible has a lot to say about us as human beings. It has a lot to say about the brokenness of human beings and the brokenness of our world. And we just need to look around at the world right now and we see it's on fire. We see that there is brokenness everywhere. We see, as Jenny was saying, um, a cost of living crisis. We see the world is falling apart, and let alone when we start looking at ourselves and when I start digging into my head and I feel and know the brokenness that I experience myself, that we experience ourselves. When we look around our world, 
we see brokenness. But how do we get out of this? Is there a solution? Is there a rescue plan? Is there a restoration plan? And I've, as Rachel said, there was a, a lovely wedding yesterday. I had the privilege of going on the stag do for this wedding. And we had a lovely time. One thing we did was axe throwing. And I know you're probably looking at me and you think that is an absolute specimen of a male. I bet he was incredible at axe throwing. Um, he looks like he uh, can throw an axe two miles. He's a Viking god. <laughs> Let me tell you, that's not my natural state. <laughs> I am incredibly weak. <laughs> I thought I would be terrible at axe throwing. I am not manly at all. Do you know what? My favorite activity, it's not wild camping. It's not chopping up logs. It's a spa day. I love a spa day. Get me in a sauna, a little jacuzzi, facial. I need it. I'm only 23 and I've, no, I'm a lot older than that. Um, I love a spa day, but I turned up to axe throwing thinking I was going to be rubbish. Guess what? I was amazing. I've never seen anything like it. I completely surprised myself. I beat everyone, wiped the floor with everyone. I was throwing an axe with two hands, <sighs> giving it the Serena Williams grunt. I was really going for it. And I was the best by miles. But I was thinking, what would happen if you turned all the lights off? If I couldn't see that target, if I wasn't constantly hitting bullseyes, what would have happened? It would be chaos. The amazing thing is, I saw the target, I knew what I was aiming for, I threw the axe, hit straight in the middle, happy days. But what's the target for us? As people that are following Jesus, what are the things that are our priorities? What are the things that we're aiming for? And Jesus is asked this very question. He's asked, Jesus, what is the most important law that we need to follow? And he answers this. In Matthew 22, he says, love the Lord. Oh, no. Oh, no. I've knocked over a lot of um, little guitar-y things. There's about a hundred of them. Oh, no. Um, well, luckily, we're talking about sin. And who's zooming in? Who's that? Um, we're talking about sin, so I'll ask for forgiveness um, for that later. Um, back in Matthew 22. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. See, we know what the goal is. We know what the target is. It's to love God fully. It's to love each other fully. But the reality is, it's really hard to hit. And in the New Testament, the, the word for sin is hamartia. This word literally means missing the mark. I wonder what your views of sin are, what you see sin as. See, in the Bible, it is missing the mark. It's not quite hitting that target of loving God and loving people. Let me tell you, as someone who tries to love people, as someone who tries to love God, it sounds very easy. 
love God, love people. But isn't it hard? It's tricky, isn't it? Because actually when we truly engage with that, we see that that means loving God means laying our lives down. It's not about me anymore. It's about God. When we say we want to love other people, it doesn't just mean love my family, who are actually quite easy to love, or love my friends, who on the whole are easy to love. It actually means loving the people that I really don't get on with. It actually means loving our environment, loving our planet. If we want to truly care for those that are most vulnerable, we need to sort out the climate crisis. Loving people means, am I caring for the environment? But the human condition is so complex. An added challenge is actually when we read through the Bible, we see that the danger, more often than not, is that people, most of the time, people fail because either they don't realize they're missing the mark or they think they're succeeding already. We see King Saul who tries to kill David. Why? Because he thinks that he's bringing a criminal to justice. He thinks he's hitting the mark. But he misses it. He's doing the wrong thing. He even says, I'm the one who has sinned. But the reality is sin isn't just about doing bad things. But it describes how easily we are deceiving ourselves and redefining our bad decisions as good ones. So the challenge is the mark we're trying to hit isn't set by us. It's set by God. And I don't know about you, but for me, I want to set the mark myself. (laughs) Because it means it's going to be easier for me. It means that I can twist things and manipulate things to make me seem better. It means that I say things like, oh, well, it's not that bad if I watch that thing on my phone. It's not that bad. It's not that bad if I slightly twist the narrative around this person because they get loads of opportunities. They're doing okay. If I just slightly change the narrative to undermine them a little bit, people will think I'm great. It's not that bad if it's just in my head. It's not hurting anyone, is it? It's only a small thing. No one can see it. No one can read my mind. My actions on the outside aren't illegal, so what's the problem? But the very first instance of missing the mark that we see in the Bible is Cain, from Cain and Abel fame. And it's just after um, Adam and Eve have um, eaten the apple. And it says that Cain was jealous and angry that God favored his brother. And God there warned him, if you don't choose what is good, sin crouches at your door. It wants you. And here, sin is depicted as a wild animal that's coming after Saul. That this little niggling thought of, oh, but why does God prefer my brother? It might seem small and insignificant, but it grows and multiplies. And what we see is that little things add up and build up to be something quite big. The seemingly small things lead to a chain reaction of relational breakdown not only between each other, but also between us and God. 
See, what sin is, is a failure to fully love God and fully love other people. But it's also our inability to judge whether we are being successful in this or not. Heavy stuff. But here's the reality. Who's missed the mark before? Who out of us has missed the mark? I for sure can put my hand up and say, it's me. There's been so many times where I've missed the mark. It's almost daily. I actually counted this week. I was going to put up on a slide everything I did wrong, and then I went, oof, that's just quite bad. <laughs> the reality is I had the things that I thought of. There were 24 different things this last week that I did that I just missed the mark. Actually, most people that have been around me, they wouldn't think that I've done anything wrong. They didn't see anything external coming out that was bad. But I know what's going on in my head. And God knows what's going on in my head. See, we would all put our hands up to say that we've all missed the mark. We all probably missed the mark today. Guess what? Surprise, we'll miss the mark tomorrow, the day after, the day after, the day after. But Jesus even lays down it even harder. And Jesus says, you've heard it written, don't commit murder. I say, don't be angry. You've heard it said, don't commit adultery. I say, don't look at anyone lustfully. See, missing the mark isn't just a tick box of don't do this, don't do this, do this, do this, and then success, you've succeeded, well done. It's so much more than that. It's a diagnosis of our heart. It's the trajectory of our heart. It's not black and white. It represents who we are and who we are becoming. And the thing is, when it's about a direction of, is my heart and is my head pointing a certain direction, what is important is, and I think this would be a game changer for a lot of people, is that we actually need to fix our eyes on the target, not on the stumbles we make along the journey. How often do we focus on the things that we keep on doing wrong and that becomes the, um, the end goal for us is, oh, I've done it again. Here I am again. I'm rubbish. I'm useless. I'm worthless. And the focus, instead of being uh, fixing our eyes on the target, which is Jesus, the goal, which is becoming more like Jesus, we fix our eyes fully on the things that we keep on doing wrong. Let me tell you, when you fix your eyes purely on sin and missing the mark, all it leads to is shame and guilt. Our faith becomes legalistic, becomes religious. Our faith becomes about counting scores. It becomes about our own human effort. Actually, we end up looking a little bit like the Pharisees looked. And there's a story that's just really stood out to me, um, particularly today. And it's of the, uh, a story um, where the Pharisees, um, who are the religious elite, they're the people that um, love the law, stick to the law. They, they believe they're doing the right thing. But they've missed the mark. And they bring uh, a woman who they've caught in the act of adultery in front of the temple, in front of everyone that is like bringing someone right now into the church right here and say, look at this person. 
we caught this person committing adultery. Do you know what the law says about that? It says we're going to stone her. We're going to stone her now. The Pharisees look to Jesus and say, look what she's done. But Jesus' response is incredible. Jesus says, he who hasn't committed a sin, throw the first stone. And one by one, from the oldest to the youngest, everyone leaves the room. Until all that's left is Jesus and this woman that has been ostracized, that has been kind of victimized, that has been put right in the middle of a, a, a church kind of service that has been publicly shamed. And Jesus says, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She says, no one, sir. Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. The amazing thing is, if you're someone who misses the mark, if you're someone who resonates with this idea of, of not fully loving God, not fully loving other people, Jesus hangs around people like you and me. Jesus wants to be with us. Sin doesn't scare Jesus. We're the very people Jesus wants to hang around with. See, the reality is there's enough shame in the world. There's enough guilt in the world. There's enough things in the world that say that you're worthless, that you're meaningless. You might even, when you look inside yourself now, think, yeah, that's me. I'm meaningless. I'm worthless. That is a lie. Because Jesus, what God said, God says you're worth it all. He says, God so loved the world, not God so hated or wrathed. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him will not die and have, but have eternal life. See, this is a hopeful message. Because of Jesus, we are forgiven. Actually, without sin, there's no forgiveness. And without sin and forgiveness, all we're left with is shame and guilt. But an awareness of missing the mark means that there is a place where we can be freed, we can be made whole. We're all good. Here it is. I might pick up the mandolin as well. Uh, the reality is, God loves you. God doesn't hate you. God doesn't want to be distant from you. God wants to be close to you. God loves you. We all miss the mark. We're all going to miss the mark. But there is freedom, there is life, there is fullness. See, it says in 1 John, no, it says in 1 Peter 2, verse 24, it says, He himself bore our sins 
in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. You have been made blameless. You have been forgiven. This is a good news message. When we turn to God and say, God, I'm back again. I've messed up. And we have those short, quick accounts to God and say, God, I've messed up. I'm really sorry. The response will always be, you are forgiven. You are forgiven. You are forgiven. And what that means is there's no guilt, no shame. A lie is that Jesus, God, will always remember the things that you've done wrong. That's not true. You're washed clean. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far and detached the things that we mess up are from God. When we confess, he removes the sin. In Romans 8, it says this, Therefore, there is now no condemnation. You are not condemned, you are free. This is good news for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. It's fixing our eyes on the target. That target, that marker point, love God, love people. Through the Spirit, our eyes are fixed on that target, not on our wrongdoings, not on the things that we mess up. It's through uh, the Spirit that we see, um, we see Jesus. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. All it takes is a quick account with God. God, I'm back again. I've missed the mark. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And it's gone. That's the wonder of Jesus. That's the wonder of Jesus dying on the cross, taking on all the things that we've done, past, present, and future, that we will always be forgiven. The game changer. We don't need to be shame-filled. We don't need to be guilt-filled. We are made in the image of God. When I was preparing this talk, there were countless times I came before God and said, oh man, I've done it again. The reality is I don't always feel like I am forgiven. I don't always feel like God will let me off this time. I need people around me to tell me that I am forgiven, that this is true. In James, it says, confess your sins to one another, bring it out of the dark into the light. Have we lost the place to confess stuff to each other? Do we have those spaces and people that we can come to and say, hey, this is going on on the inside. You don't see it. No one else sees it. Everyone thinks they're perf like I'm perfect. But I'm messed up. <laughs> Just yesterday, um, I was chatting to Abby, um, my wife, and I said, um, Abby, I'm just really struggling with this person. 
and you don't see it, but I know that if I don't tell anyone this, I'll start getting ratty at that person, and they'll be doing little things, and all the little things they start doing will start building up, and I'm going to get angry and bitter, and, and so I'll just like say, help me out. <laughs> I need you to back me up, because <laughs> this is just going to build up, and it's going to fill, it's going to fill me up with bitterness. And it was in the light. It was out in the open. And my view of that person almost changed immediately. We had a great time. I loved the person. Fully loved that person. I'm going to finish now because we need to get in some jigging and some reeling. I don't know what any of that means, I'm totally honest, but Dave says it a lot, so I feel like I need to say it too. Um, And so this is good news. But I want to give us just a moment now just to reflect just to think back through this week, even just today, even right now in this very moment. Are there things right now that you know you've missed the mark? We haven't quite hit it. There's something that maybe you don't even realize, but now we just welcome your Holy Spirit to just point out some of the stuff that might be going on, on, on in our lives. And the reality is we do have the Holy Spirit who lives in us, who guides us, who directs us. Just ask Holy Spirit that right now you just point out to us if there's any point where we've missed the mark, we haven't quite hit it. And so right now as you bring those things into your minds. We're just going to have a moment of quiet and bring them to God and say, God, it's me again. I've missed the mark and I'm really sorry. you might be brand new to church. This might have been the first time you've ever walked into a church building. And you might have heard things where you think, oh, that's, I feel broken. And maybe in hearing that you can be forgiven, that you can live a life guilt and shame free. Maybe this is an opportunity to turn to Jesus. Maybe this is an opportunity to lay your life down in front of Jesus and say, I need some of that forgiveness. I need some of that, the guilt and the shame to be taken away from my life. And if that is you, there's a really simple prayer that I'll say and that you can repeat in your head. Father God, I'm sorry for missing the mark. I'm sorry when I've gone my own way. When I've tried my hardest, but I've just been pointing in the wrong direction. I choose now to point to you, Jesus. To look to you knowing that you forgive me. 
accept your forgiveness now, knowing that guilt and shame are washed away.